So if you will, turn with me to Mark chapter 4. We're going to jump in together. If you've got your Bible, you've got your uh, phone or your iPad or your tablet, turn with me to Mark chapter 4. It's about two-thirds of the way through your Bible. Mark is a follower of Jesus. We have his letter, and this is what we're going to read this morning is his letter. 2,000 years later, we are still looking at something that is so powerful and life-changing. It's the Word of God. And when you turn there, I'm going to get us caught up real quick. First and foremost, last week, um, I had shared with you that I liked, I, I went, we went to Dairy Queen and that I got an Oreo Blizzard, and I like Oreo Blizzards. And some of you decided, hey, a Blizzard sounds good, and went to Dairy Queen after church. And so many of you decided to post your Blizzard that you got. No one brought me a Blizzard. It's not fair, which was last week's point. We say that all the time, and I'm sitting there going, man, Dairy Queen is getting so much money from Radiant Life Church right now. Hope you enjoyed your blizzard. Well, I drooled over it. Hey, Mark chapter 4, we're told this. Leading up to Mark chapter 4, we're going to jump into is that Jesus has been teaching all day long. Jesus teaches in parables, and one of the parables, what a parable is, it's just a story that he looks around and finds things that are relevant in their culture, a lot of it's farming, and he looks around and finds maybe a wheat field and relates his biblical truth to a wheat field because it's like a visual representation that Jesus is trying to drive his point home. And it says in Scripture, he has been there teaching all these people. In fact, there are so many people that Jesus gets into the boat and backs away from the people and begins to teach in a boat. And the boat becomes his pulpit, but in a minute we're going to see his boat becomes his illustration. And all of a sudden, Jesus is tired, right? He, I mean, it's teaching all day. And he tells his disciples, let's jump into the boat. And they're going to be in this sea to give you an idea of where this takes place. This is the Sea of Galilee. I was blessed to be there about two years ago. This is from the resort, from the east side. I took a picture facing the west right at sunset. Now, it's known as the Sea of Galilee, but it's actually a lake. It's fresh water. I don't know why. We still don't know why, really. They call it a sea. So if you think of Israel, I will be the map of Israel the Sea of Galilee is up here. The bottom of the Sea of Galilee is the Jordan River that goes all the way down into the Dead Sea, down on the southern part of Israel, to give you an idea. 80% of Jesus' ministry is right here. You're looking at the west side. See the very mountain cliff on the right? It kind of is a big hill and then it kind of drops off. I climbed that and I thought I was going to die climbing that. I thought I was in shape. Until you start climbing that, that is known as Mount Arbel, and they believe that this is when that you get on top of there, you can see all of the Sea of Galilee. It is so beautiful, and you get up there, and you realize that most biblical scholars believe that that's the place where Jesus appeared to his 12 disciples, or, well, 11, Judas said, hung himself, the 11 disciples, and, at, and gave them the great commission, go to all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and to be up there and to realize, wow, so cool. Hopefully in the next year, you're going to get an opportunity to travel with me and my mentor to Israel. So start saving. 
lots of money because it ain't cheap. I will tell you this, it's life-changing to go there. I got back 14 days of studying in the land and my wife says, you are glowing. That was her, it is life-changing. You will, I promise you will never be the same. So uh, tax season, start putting some away, all right? It's awesome. Hey, so this is where they are. They're going to come. They're on that side. They're on the west side. They're making their way to the east side. So Jesus and the 12 disciples are getting in a boat, making the way to where you guys are sitting. And now we're going to jump in to Mark chapter 4, verse 35, begins this way. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Verse 37, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly what? <laughs> well, it's nearly what? Nearly swamped. Can you imagine? I don't know if you've ever been into a boat that was almost sinking. I can imagine it's terrifying. The only way I can relate to this is being on a plane that hits turbulence. Have you been there on a plane that hit turbulence and all of a sudden you're flying and you're just like, Doo! and you're like, oh dear God, this is the end. And the non-believers that are on the plane with you all of, a, all of a sudden become prayers, do they not? They're like, oh dear God, if you're there, help. And I imagine the disciples are like, oh my goodness. And what's so ironic about this is that some of the disciples are professional fishermen. They've been on that lake so many times fishing. And they're in a storm, and they know how to navigate the boat. But remember, these aren't modern-day boats. They're rowing. These boats are, they actually, archaeologists just um, discovered not too long ago, a first-century fishing boat near the Sea of Galilee. It's about 25 feet long, maybe 12 to 14 feet. You can get about... 12 to 14 people in it. It's jam-packed, and you're rowing. There's no motor. There's no GPS. It's just you rowing, and the disciples find themselves in the middle of a storm. Verse 38, story continues. Jesus was in the stern what, friends? <laughs> Can you imagine? You're in a storm, and the guy that you're following, living an adventure with, Sleeping. He's taking a cat nap. Not only is he sleeping, is he sleeping on a cushion? It's almost like Mark's telling us Jesus is really comfortable during the storm. And the disciples aren't. And what's interesting is the idea of the cushion is in these boats, they're actually sandbags. So here's, oh man, that's heavier second service than it was first service. <laughs> Jesus is sleeping on one of these. Sandbag. While the 12 closest people to him are following, probably freaking out because of the storm, and Jesus is sleeping all comfortably in the stern on a sandbag. Story continues. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Jesus, or teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't we feel like that sometimes? When we're in the storm... Don't you care? Don't you care? And I don't know about you, but at this moment, if I was Jesus, you just woke me up from a cat nap. I don't like being woken up from a nap. Anyone else? 
You know, I don't even like that alarm clock. And imagine the disciples waking up, and if, I, if I'm Jesus, I, here's, here's what I would do. I would wake up, and I'd be like, what do you want? Yeah, I see the storm. I don't care. I put the stars in their place. I filled this lake with the fish. I am the giraffe maker. Now let me sleep. And I would go back to sleep. But Jesus... Well, he's a lot more Jesus-y than I am. And here's Jesus' response to the disciples. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down. And it was what, friends? Completely calm. And then Jesus has a conversation. He said to his disciples, and let's read this first question together. Why are you so afraid? Yeah, you're in a storm. I get it. I'm in the stern, sleeping. Yes, I want you to know why are you so afraid, disciples? You've seen me do miracles. You've seen me heal skin diseases. You've seen me heal that guy that had the crippled hand and it's whole again. You've seen me drive out demons. I want to know you're in a storm. I'm with you. I want to know why are you afraid? Jesus says, you still have no faith. In verse 41, they were what? Oh, man, the disciples are terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I want to show you back that picture of the Sea of Galilee. If you study the Sea of Galilee, I think it represents our life. See, the Sea of Galilee, you see the mountains and the cliffs and the hills. That is surrounded almost the entire sea. Except to our right is the north side. It's completely flat. And cold air funnels through there and the hot, warm air that's coming off the sea causes storms to just come like that. They come out of nowhere. And I think our lives look like the Sea of Galilee. Things can be going so great and so well in one moment. The next moment we turn and we're in a storm. We're sitting here going, I didn't, I don't, I didn't know how I got here. What's happening right now to my life and everything I'm experiencing? I don't want this. And all of a sudden, we realize that in your job, you've been working so hard, and you just got the promotion, and all of a sudden, your boss tells you you're laid off. And you're in a storm you never saw coming. Or you think your marriage and your relationships are going so well and all of a sudden you sit down with your spouse and you realize, whoa, it's not where I thought it was. And you're in a storm. And for some of us, we've had that perfect bill of health our entire lives and we go into the doctors and he gives us that horrible report we never saw coming. When our life was normal, all of a sudden we're facing a storm. For some of us, it's our finances. We've been so good and faithful and investing. And man, we have our savings account and checkings account. We've got our emergency account. We're all good. And all of a sudden, these bills and debt collectors are after you. And you're literally going, what is happening? We're not as financially stable as I thought. And you're in a storm. For some of us, it's our kids and our 
grandkids or nieces and nephews, man, they were on the path walking with Jesus, and all of a sudden, they got off of it. And you ached for them. Like, how did they get there? And sometimes in our lives, all of a sudden, we're in a storm that we never saw coming. And I think one thing that we're really good at is hiding our storms. We go, hey, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. But deep down behind that smile, you have a storm in your life. Deep down, you just want to say it's not going well. For others, they look at you and see your life and everything that you have and are very envious of what you have in your life, in your home. And they're like, man, I, man, I, I would hope one day I have what they have and just have their marriage and have their house and their stuff. But you have no idea that this couple is two payments behind. And they may lose their home and they have a storm right now. And they look okay, but deep down they're hurting and they're in a storm. For others of us, we maybe have that marriage or that relationship that others look and say, man, one day. And say, hey, actually, there's a storm inside. It's not well. It's not well. See, I think in a room this size, there are a couple of us that are either in a storm right now in our own lives, or we know of someone who's in a storm right now. And just to be full honest, let's just, uh, and don't lie, you're in church, right? So uh, we want to live like Jesus here. Just if you are in a storm, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, if you're in a storm or know of someone who's in a storm, can you just lift up your hands? I mean, we were really all, turn to your neighbor and say, you're not alone. You got to say it with more passion. You're not alone. Hey, there we go. There's some passion. Because here's the thing. There's an enemy out there who wants you to think you're the only one in your storm. You're not. We know people who are in storms or we ourselves are in a storm in our own lives. So this morning I want to talk to you about three tr or two truths to embrace when we face a storm in our lives. Are we ready for them? You know, one of the things of being a communicator <laughs> is that you feed off people <coughs> verbally. So are we ready for it this morning? Hey, there we go. <laughs> Woo! Go get some coffee if you need it. Here's the first truth to embrace. When you're in a storm, embrace this truth. You're in the storm with His presence. You are in the storm with His presence. I'll go back to this slide in a minute, but let me show you what's happening. Verse 37, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Would we all agree the disciples are in a storm? The very next thing Mark wants us to know is this. Jesus was in the what? Immediately, Mark is saying, the disciples are in the storm, but I want you to know Jesus is in the boat too. Jesus is with you in your storm. So often, all we see is the storm. We can't see anything but what is happening, and we lose sight of the presence of God in the storm. He's in the boat with you. And so often, there's a lie in our 
Christianity today that says, if I put my faith and trust into Jesus, and I follow Jesus, I'm on an adventure with Jesus, I shouldn't be facing storms. My life should be problem-free, storm-free, easygoing. And if you have heard this, I am so sorry you've heard this. It is nothing but further from the truth. Look at what Jesus says, his own words in the Gospel of John. John, a disciple of Jesus, writes this for us in John 16, 33. In this world, you will have what? Ooh, I mean, we don't have this on our coffee cups, do we? I mean, thank you, Jesus, right? In this world, you will have what? This is Jesus speaking. You will have storms in your life. But we rest on this. But take heart, I've overcome the world. I've taken, I've overcome the world. And you can rest in that. You will have trouble, you will have storms, you will have chaos, and it will feel like hell sometimes, but take heart, I've overcome those I've overcome the world. Know this, when you're in the storm, you're in his presence. Man, I don't know if there's anything else more reassuring than that. Know this. When we're in darkness and we're not following Jesus, but we've moved from darkness away from God into the presence of following Jesus, we are in a spiritual battle. Following Jesus is not a playground, it's a battlefield. Let me repeat that. Following, and, and Twitter this, all right? This is, this is that preachable. Following Jesus is not a playground. It's a battlefield. You have an enemy out to get you. Hates that you are taking steps towards following Jesus. Hates that you are looking more like Jesus. He's out to get you. It's a battlefield. And as we begin to move Darkness begins to come against you. You will face opposition. You will face temptation. You will face storms. And oftentimes you talk to newer believers and they begin to say things of, uh, man, I'm on fire for God. You get that a lot. You get it from teens. Our, our teens are going to be on fire for God when they come back from never the same camp that they do after every summer camp that our teens go to. And all of a sudden you sometimes begin to see their faith begin to fade out a little bit. That passion, that fire is not there anymore. Why? Because the devil knows you are on fire and I want to extinguish that fire. When you are spiritually grooving and making steps towards following Jesus, the enemy hates it and he's out to get you. But guess what? You're in the storm with his presence. I don't want to minimize storms, but I often want to say bring it on because storm, you're not bigger than the God I serve. Listen, Jesus, God never, God never promised that the storm won't rock you. His promise is the storm won't sink you. You will be rocked. You will face storms. But it's not going to sink you because God is with you, God is for you, and God promises I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that's truth we can take to the bank. It's truth you can take on your boat when you're facing the storm. I don't care what comes at me. I'm in the presence of Jesus. And the thing that's standing against me is a lot smaller than the thing that's with me. So bring it on, storm. No, I don't like it. <laughs> bring it on. What's awesome is when we live this out, 
the world looks at you and say, man, everything is just falling apart. It's chaos everywhere. But yet you, you seem so absurd with just have that assurance of peace. Man, I can tell that you are in the storm. Like, we know you're in a storm, but why do you look the way you do? You've got that calmness about you. We can say, because I'm following Jesus, and I sense his power, I sense his strength, I sense his love, I sense he's with me. I may be in the storm, but I'm in the storm with his presence. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not alone. In church, let me wet the whistle real quick. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. He's there. But oftentimes, we got to awaken us. Oftentimes, our prayer goes, God, I need you. God's there with you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you got the Holy Spirit residing in you. He's with you. He's in the boat with you. Sometimes, we just got to be awakened spiritually to realize I'm in the presence of God. But the storm, that's the power of storms in our lives and the darkness that just tries to invade. Listen, your storm may resume, but it doesn't rain. Jesus reigns. You're not alone. You're not alone. So in the storm, you're in the storm with his presence. Here's the second truth. We don't like to be in storms, do we? We don't like them. We like watching them, maybe. Like this past week, that storm was awesome. I don't know about you, but I was plastered to the window. I'm in my bedroom holding up the blinds. I'm looking. I'm like, yeah, bring it on. But when it comes to personally and in my life, we don't like those storms. So why am I in the storm? I think the second truth to embrace this morning is when we find ourselves adventuring with Jesus and we're in the storm is this. You're in the storm for his purposes. You're in the storm for what? One more time, you're in the storm for what? Here's the problem. Who put the disciples in the boat? Jesus. Who told the disciples to get in the boat and go across the Sea, the sea of Galilee? Jesus. Listen, sometimes we're in a storm because we're following Jesus. Sometimes, yes, you will find yourself in a storm because you've caused your storm. We live in a broken, fallen world. Absolutely true. Because people are broken, we'll get in storms because of other people and ourselves. But as a symptom of following Jesus is sometimes you're in the storm for him because he walks you to the storm. The disciples, we're in the storm because we're following the guy that's sleeping in the boat. Pretty nice of you to sleep, Jesus. You're in the storm for his purposes. And people want to look at this, these seven verses and say, okay, did God cause the storm or did God allow the storm? And that's a theological debate for another time, but I know this, God will always use the storm to transform you. And oftentimes, we, pray, we try to pray the storms away, do we not? I don't want this storm, go away! Yet God's trying to do something in you. Look at what the brother of Jesus says, James. 
Consider it pure what, friends? <laughs> James, there's no joy here. No joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, there's no joy. We want out of them. And James, you use the word joy? I would use the word mm, horrible. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. In verse 3 it says, because you know that the testing of your faith, what friends? Produces perseverance. There's a reason why you're in the storm. There's a reason why you're facing that trial. It's for your faith to produce perseverance. Why do I want perseverance? James continues, let perseverance finish its work. So that you may be what? And what? Not lack what? See, the reason why James tells us we're in the storm is to let perseverance finish the work. But we're in the storm. We don't want it to work. We just want out of the storm. But James says, no, 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 no. You're in the storm for his purposes. Find it joy because in the storm, you are maturing in your faith. God is making you whole and complete. And you will not lack anything. In the storm, you got to go through the storm in order to look like Jesus. Man, we don't like that though, do we? We don't like to be in the storm. God uses his word to mature us. We'll, we'll sign up for this, right? We'll sign up to, man, I'll sign up for a daily reading plan so I can be mature and look more like Jesus and how to handle storms. We'll sign up for that. And we'll sign up, God can use serving one another to mature us. And we'll sign up for that. But I don't want to sign up for a storm. I don't want the storm. Can I say something? Some of us, where you are and where God wants you to be is a storm you have yet to endure. Oh, I don't like that. But you're in the storm with His presence. I say, bring it on. I love how Jesus and the disciples end this. Praise team, come on up. Look at this. He got up, rebuked the wind. Which I, what does that look like? What does that look like to Jesus to rebuke wind? You say, like, hey, go and time out, wind. You've been naughty. What is he? I mean, what, what is, I don't know what that looks like. But it's like, but he spoke. He said to the waves, quiet, be still. He spoke. Notice he didn't rebuke the disciples. He first rebuked the storm. Some of us are afraid to cry out to God because we're afraid he's going to rebuke us. Have you read the Psalms before in King David? King David writes, kill him. Kill my enemy, God. I don't like him. Kill him, kill him, kill him. And then he writes them to tunes so you're to sing them. Kill him, kill him, kill him. I hate them. Kill him, Lord. To your glory. I mean, David is honest with God. David, King David is known as a man after what? If you know it. God's own heart. I think God has a special place for David because David was honest with God. And for some of us, we're in the storm and we're afraid if I'm honest with God, he's going to rebuke me. God is a loving father and he's not waiting to bend you over his leg and spank you. Horn your heart out. In the story, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? 
Do you still have no faith? And look at this. They were terrified. What's interesting is the storm's over and it's completely calm, but yet the disciples are terrified. And they ask each other, who is this? See, the fear of the storm for the disciples turned into an awe of who Jesus is. For some of us, maybe perhaps we've taken for granted who Jesus is. That we've lost our awe of who Jesus is. I think sometimes when we get to the end of the storm and it looks, we can look at Jesus and say, wow, I'm in awe of you. When's the last time you said, wow, is that you, God? Is that you? I think oftentimes at the end of the storm, it's like we meet Jesus all over again. That we say, who is this? Who is this that I'm following? The disciples have seen and been with Jesus in this moment. They say, who is this? I would go through a thousand storms to meet Jesus all over again. So I ask you the question, the same question Jesus asked as we close. Why are you so afraid? The adventure awaits. Sometimes it's smooth sailing. Sometimes it's through the storm you never saw coming. Why are you so afraid? You're in the storm with His presence. You're in the storm for His purposes. May we be awakened to that. What's awesome is the disciples, after they're done, and they say, who is this? They make it to the east side of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus does one of his best miracles. He drives out a demon from a guy that lives in the tombs. He lives in the cemetery and he cuts himself with glass and rocks. And he drives out thousands of demons from this guy that go into the pigs and the pigs run down into the Sea of Galilee and drown. And next we're told the disciples witness all of that. And next we're told that the disciples go out and start performing their own miracles. They needed to see Jesus sleeping in the boat, quieting the winds. I think so often when we're in a storm, In our own souls, we can sing it as well. This is why this record. So when you're in a storm, it's not well. You're saying, my soul's not well. I sit there and wrestle and wrestle and wrestle. And Jesus all week was reminding me, Ryan, you're in the storm with my presence so you can sing it is well. And when we're in the storm and we can sing it is well with my soul through it all, it is well with my soul. And the world looks at us and says, how can you sing that song? Because I'm following Jesus. I sense he's with me. I sense his grace. I sense his mercy. I sense his power. I sense his love.
to get me through it. So will you please stand? And we're going to sing a couple songs that just to release our souls. That's hard to follow. Ushers, if you want to come down. Hey, my name is Josh. I'm the student ministries pastor here at Radiant Life. We are glad you are with us here this morning as we worship our God who is great. You can stay standing at this time. We'll receive this morning's offerings and tithes. And then we're going to close out with one more song. We've got a connection card when you came in. If you filled that out, go ahead and throw that in the offering plate as it goes around. Unless you are a first-time visitor, if you are a first-time visitor, take that connection card out to Radiant Cafe. We'll hook you up with some goodies, some Radiant Life swag, right? <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, let's pray. Hey, if you're a visitor here too, just sit on your wallet. Don't worry about it. We don't, we don't charge admission here, so just hang on to your money. Let's pray. Father God. Thank you for allowing us to come and worship you this morning. Lord, you're good. In the middle of the storms, you are there. Ask that we would just cling to you. Whatever life throws at us. Jesus is in your name. Amen. Hey, the good news of following Jesus is that his love is fierce. Hey, it's an adventure. So repeat after me. When I think of something. <laughs> no, man, the worst possible thing is get up here and not say something, right? Hey, uh, all right, hold on. Um, yeah, repeat after me. I'm in the storm with his presence. I'm in the storm for his purposes. May we embrace this truth and live it out as we follow Jesus wherever he takes us, whether it's in the good places or in the midst of storms. Next week we wrap up this series. We're going to find next week the disciples are in a storm again. Invite someone next week. Blessings to you. Thanks, guys. Go and be radiant.